protests, we walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. They let us back in. We didn't crush it after one week. I'm so happy to be here uh, <laughs> with Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. Our producer is Pernell Brown. And what a unique week we're about to have here, Kirk. It's one thing to have the NBA lead the conversation. It's it's another to have the NHL and MLB join in with the WNBA and, and MLS. But the Shield, the Shield is taking center stage mm. this week. And um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to allow for advancement and, and believe that it's authentic. I do appreciate that the commissioner has been very clear about his own shortcomings in this space of recognizing how important the message of equality and social justice is for the NFL to embrace, if not simply because it's the right thing, uh, look at the individuals who provide your product. <laughs> With that being said, uh, <laughs> your expectations, sir, Put your finger in the dirt. What do you uh, want to see from the National Football League as they take over? I mean, I'm listen as an NBA yeah. guy, the middle of the transfer from uh, yeah. East Conference semifinals to uh, finals, and hopefully we know how to maneuver <laughs> around this monster. Uh, we know what happens when the National Football League <laughs> takes over the scene. Well, Jason, are we uh, taking the baton from the NBA folks such as yourself? I hope so. <laughs> um, I guess passing the baton for us is, um, for the NFL, is going to be huge. I, I, I always say that the we love watching basketball, but I think football is like the root of our country, right? I've always said that people watch the NFL because of its games being only once a week and being Sundays, right? Which is the day of not only for many, the day of worship and a day of football, right? And baseball, basketball, NHL, other sports, you can have multiple games in a week. But we know what makes the NFL unique is that it's a one day affair. Now you may have, you're gonna have your Thursday games and your Monday nights, but it's primarily on Sunday. So that means there's going to be a ton of eyeballs. And I think we're all waiting, Jason. We're all waiting to see what will my NFL brethren do? What will the NFL and its owners, its commissioner, um, its diversity and inclusion department, what are they going to do? because they've had the time to figure it out. They've had the time to look at the NBA and how they've incorporated everything from the Black Lives Matter on the court to allowing the names on the back of the jerseys for the players to allowing their players in their media interviews speak about the issues that they want to talk about and not necessarily just about the game. And I thought that it's not at all taken away from the NBA. I've actually loved the NBA even more because... 
I'm not being turned off by what they're doing. I'm actually excited and to hear that they still want to do it and continue and they haven't took their foot off the gas. That's what the NFL is going up against. So for me, Jason, I think that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing, especially Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. I think people can care less almost about that game in terms of the actual play on the field. But they want to see how does Jerry Jones, will he be show empathy to his players, his African-American players, black players who want to have a voice, who want to go out and show that they are with their brethren, the people who are most affected in their communities and don't have a voice. How will those guys go out and either peacefully protest or demonstrate before they go out and play a game that we are here for you. We are playing this game, but we're doing it with you on our minds, with you in our hearts. That's what I think this NFL weekend, this week is gonna be really all about, Jason, is how do they do it? And in terms of how powerful will that message get across? In less than seven minutes from now, we'll visit with Ock from the Ock and Barack Show. Fright Nation jumping mm-hmm. in the conversation here on Forward Progress. We're excited about that. Before we get there, uh, how much of this is altruistic, do you feel, of the mm-hmm. tone that you're hearing from the league office change? How much of it is smart business? Because, and I'm not talking about the butts that will be in the seats. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the corporate partners who like to sell their products to everybody. White, brown, black, (laughs) purple, chartreuse, as long as you buy a Ford, right? As long as you purchase a Procter & Gamble uh, Tide Pod, Uh, as long as um, these massive corporate partners that have their names on these stadiums, that have their commercials roll, that have their names on these pregame and halftime shows, uh, there is a lot of fiscal responsibility that's leading to social responsibility. And I'm not even upset that that's the case as long as we find our way to a lasting connection. Yeah, I was uh, joking a couple uh, months back, right? Because it was every institution that I've ever done business with, Jason, decided to give me an email and let them know that they hear my voice. Mm. That they are about communication. They are about understanding. They are about Black Buy Lives Matter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, every person, I mean, every single, I mean, I'm going back, I'm seeing emails like, oh man, I forgot I bought something from you guys. But every, whether, I mean, whether it was Starbucks, right? Whether it was, um, you know, the different gyms that I know I've I participated in or, um, you know, the Best Buys, Amazons. Oh, I mean, you're getting emails from everybody. And these are all sponsors. These are corporate sponsors, whether they're in the NFL or they're in other leagues, right? Um, you're just seeing everyone has had this sort of um, this, this, this light bulb go off that we have to be more inclusive for everyone and be understanding that everyone has something going on and we, sh- we have to listen. We just can't be so narrow-minded. And I think that has opened the NFL up to be able to have guys be able to open up and speak their mind, especially when for your league is predominantly African-American, is predominantly black. The faces of your league now are black. Your last two 
highest, I mean, MVPs of the NFL are African-American, are black, right? They, 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 there's a difference now that the demographic that you see, yes, it's been older, but yet now as it becomes younger and, these, and, and people have followings, now the NFL had to get on board because if they don't, they'll be, you know, now all of a sudden it takes away from the league and now everybody's being personally on these different guys. I say that because even this past week, something that may be small to others, but was huge. So they released the Madden 21 game. Okay, Jason. And Madden is one of the, the is, is one of the, the great games of the NFL. But Colin Kaepernick, is on the game. Like Madden NFL allowed Kaepernick to be on the game. Yeah. And he's listed at an 81 overall rating. That shows you that everyone is listening, they're understanding, and that's huge for the NFL to be able to move forward and letting their players have a voice. We got our eyes on them, to say the least. When we come back, we turn to the sweet science. It's nice <laughs> to bring in everybody from Fight Nation. They've been listening uh, to the beginning of this show and the other roundtables. Ak from Ak and Barak joins us next. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. As we continue, it is such a pleasure to move to our brother in it, Fight Nation. Spin the dial to 156 at your leisure. Make sure you check out Aka Barak's show, The Sweet Scientist, providing your mind with everything that you need surrounding boxing, MMA, and what have you. And Ak of Aka and Barak joining us now on Forward Progress. First of all, thank you so much for the time. And thank you for an angle that we haven't had. All of this started uh, really uh, with NFL and NBA, and then we started pulling different angles in it. And uh, I'm glad that we moved in this direction because my nation's good enough to have forward progress in the uh, on the schedule. But as okay. you have watched this intersection of athlete empowerment, people wanting more, and the reality of the hell black and brown people catch on the regular that's now a daily conversation that's not going anywhere. How has the fight game really dealt with it? And are you happy with where things are going? Well, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. And, and I actually love what you guys have going on. It's, it's needed and appreciated from somebody, you know, uh, you know, of color as myself. And I, you know, in regards to boxing, see, you know, boxing is a sport that uh, from the beginning, a young fighter goes into a boxing gym. Usually he comes from a, you know, a place of poverty or hunger. Uh, uh, it's, it's not like these other sports. We have to be elite at every level before you can even be a, a long shot in making it to a professional league like the NBA and NFL, you know, where you have to be great at little league at high school and college. And maybe if you're that good, you'll be, uh, you know, boxing is different. You know, one punch can change your life. Um, and it can be a journeyman that that's, it's has a day job. And, uh, um, the way they've handled it, I'm not, uh, I'm not upset. I'm not disappointed. You know, obviously we're dealing with the same thing with no spectators, you know, in, in the arena. The the problem with the difference between boxing and those other sports is, you know, the, these professional athletes have contracts. They, they're well paid and they're um, they were OK for these last six months you know, during this pandemic and, and all these other social issues. There's so many boxers, 90 
eight, 99% of fighters don't make the money Canelo Alvarez makes. Don't make the money Tyson Fury makes. A lot of these guys are fighting four-round fights for 1500 bucks, and they have to wait two, three months before they even can make that type of money. So it, it affected those type of guys where they needed to fight. And you know, if they don't fight too much, they don't really have food on a table, right? So these last six months been tough for a lot of those guys that I've watched come up that still aren't making a lot of money. And those are guys that suffered um, during this entire time, you know, I, I would say. But um, they're trying. You know, the, the network I work for, the zone that, that also that provides boxing, is doing a good job to, you know, being conscious of the social injustices. Um, they're putting out content that, that, that reflects that. So uh, I'm, I, as of now, I'm happy with, with where boxing is going, handling the times that we're living in. But what about yourself, though, as a former amateur, right? I know you got in the ring and as you grew up and you looked at the voices of a fighter back then to where the fighters are now, having that 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 social platform, did you always uh, think that back when you didn't necessarily have the biggest platform as an amateur and now you look at it now where boxers have that platform to not only speak their mind, have a bigger following, but then also be able to discuss a lot of the issues that are going on outside of the boxing ring, maybe. Well, social media plays a big part in that and, and, and fighters and, and uh, voices having a voice. Right. It's not that, you know, yes, times has changed. Um, I, 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 I do still I, I feel that there's still a racial oppression. Um, there's still privileged people out there. There's still nepotism. There's still a lot of that going on. But yes, we have more of a voice. But when I was a kid growing up, I, I didn't, because social media didn't exist, you know, in order for a fighter to really have a voice, he had to be such a mega star where he had endorsement deals, where you've seen him in commercials. He would be as a guest on a late night show in order to speak his mind, right? You had to be a Mike Tyson of the world, a Riddick Bowe of the world, a Sugar Ray Leonard of the world to have a voice. Now, because of the technology and social media, you know, uh, an, an average fighter, and I, and I don't mean to call any fighter average because just to get into that ring, you have to be cut from a certain cloth. So I have a, 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 a total, you know, an immense amount of respect for every fighter that steps in the ring, which is why we created the pull-up, and we can talk about that later, just to, you know, for the casual fans to have more respect for fighters. But now I think social media has played a major part in these fighters being able to have a voice because, you know, back then it didn't exist and you had to be a megastar to have a voice. Ock from the Ock and Barack show on Fight Nation with us here. It's Kirk Morrison. It's Jason Jackson. Our weekly conversation here on Forward Progress. Uh, when you ran through the list of names, the one that just ran to the forefront of my mind, we will refer to him as the given. You don't have to say Muhammad Ali. We know full well uh, the voice that he created. And, and it's probably unique, right, Ock? Oh, he's an, he's an coming, anomaly. He's coming up with yeah. that voice he's coming up right. trying to get realizing things in 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 kentucky that if i'm going to be known out of this space that i'm going to have to demand it during a period where black men simply did not have that opportunity listen uh, muhammad ali uh, he is the given right i mean it's an anomaly so he's you know controversy what what, what was a big part of uh, of his error he he took advantage of that and and was the voice for our people I mean, ali is is my idol i mean i mean i can go on on and on about 
what he meant to me, what he meant to my, my, my parents, and so on and so forth. I still think to this day, all due respect to Kaepernick and a lot of the athletes that are speaking up. I mean, I, I don't think anybody has reached the level of, of courage of Muhammad Ali. No, nowhere close to it. And this is not undermining any athlete that is speaking up for our people. But if you're going to talk Ali, this, he, 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 was, he was beyond special. Um, I do feel like that there are athletes out there that, that are, you know, they're, they, they're trying to, to be, become close to that, right? You know, they're picking away at it and, and, and being braver and braver and braver to speak their mind. Even me, you know, I'm fortunate enough and grateful, that, you know, that God created an opportunity for me and my co-host Barack and, my, and myself to have a voice, to be able to express ourselves candidly and organically on, on our show. And, and, and SiriusXM Fight Nation, The Zone, they allow us to you know, to speak on social injustices and be completely transparent about it. There's no filter at all. And, and trust me, there was a place in time where, where a journalist, an analyst, a TV radio personality was not able to do that. Look, like, I believe, what, nine, ten years ago, maybe a little bit longer, when you start covering the sport of boxing, right, after being a fighter, and you start to do your own thing and you kind of start to get a following, and then you realize, like, okay, I got something here. And you start to, like you mentioned, be your authentic self, Ock. When did you really feel like, you know what? I'm actually an influencer of the culture. Like, when did you get that, that? What was that moment for you when you realized that this is bigger than boxing that I'm talking about? This is more about the culture outside of it and what a lot of us uh, people of color, not just boxers, are dealing with from day to day to where you can talk about the sports aspect of it, but still have to talk about what's going on. And it's prevalent that people are tuning in to you to get that understanding. Um, uh, great question, by the way. It, it, it's, it's been a series of things, but if I have to point one moment out, it would probably be when we were working with 50 Cent um, worked him for a few years on his platform, this is 50.com, which is an urban platform that caters to hip hop music and, and that genre and that culture. But Barack and myself, with the help of, of our uh, a business partner, Bless, we, uh, we created a boxing lifestyle type of show on that platform. And there was a show, I can't remember the, the date, but we talked about Michael Brown. And the show turned into a, it had nothing to do with boxing. Um, that day, we were just being passionate about about the social injustices that we were dealing with even back then, which is a few years ago. And I read some comments on the YouTube video, and then I got some emails from some people expressing their gratitude for the way I expressed myself and how I inspired them. At that moment, reading that email was... Uh, you know, is when I had an epiphany about maybe this is more than just boxing and Rock and I have a voice to to, to inspire, to, to motivate, uh, to shed light on certain things and enlighten people. Um, and, I, and I believe that that would be, if I had to point out a single moment, it would be, it would be probably around three and a half, four years ago where, where, where I got that email. Visiting with Ock from Ock and Barack show on Fight Nation, channel 156. You should spin the dial. Confirming you all's ability to cross-pollinate outside the fight game. I'm told on Wednesday, the Grammy Award winner 
Macy Gray came by uh, yeah, to talk yeah. to you guys about mygood.org and some other things. How was that visit and, and what did you learn from it? Uh, well, I mean, first off, Macy Grace, is, uh, she's always been a great artist. I love her music and I love what she's doing now. This is her and her team doing that. They're not getting help from anywhere else. So basically, you know, she is catering to families that are affected by police brutality, um, victims being, excuse me, killed by police and not only financially for hospital bills and, and funerals and things of that nature, which we all don't want to be spending money on that. But, you know, it's a reality that happens when, you know, when, a, when someone is killed. But also psychologically, people uh, are affected by this years after a family member is killed by police officers. So, you know, the psychological help, whether it's therapy and, um, it, you know, things of that nature people overlook sometimes, you know, they feel like, Oh, we need money for bills and, and uh, um, funerals, hospital bills, but psychologically uh, people are affected. So she focuses on that and her, her movement is focusing on families affected by this all around, all across the board, not only financially. You know, one thing I wanted to see is that I know you're from Brooklyn, so you got to kind of give me the okay. temperature of Brooklyn and in terms of social justice, uh, whether it's the police brutality, where it's uh, maybe some things that you saw growing up. Where is that relationship now? And and also, too, where do you want to see this thing progress to? Like, what, what what's the next steps that you think that you guys can not only talk about on your show, but also you want to see within your own community where you can move the progress uh, in Brooklyn? Because for me, I'm in California, so I know we have yeah. our different challenges in California. But for me, yeah. just give me a perspective of Brooklyn for a guy who, you know, uh, love to hear about Brooklyn. Some of the great music, hip hop culture is from Brooklyn. So just kind of give me the, the, the temperature of where you're at right now. I but, well, Brooklyn is the greatest place place on the planet. No question about that. And uh, the, the, the most influential people have come from Brooklyn. But nevertheless, uh, so I live in Jersey now. So people say, oh, Ak, you're a sellout. You know, so so uh, I do live in Jersey now, but I'm prideful about Brooklyn. Brooklyn's always been a prideful place, right? Uh, the the one thing I would say about our community that 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 needs to change is, look, yes, to a certain degree, systematically, we've been put in a position to fail, right? Our communities have been put in a position to fail. So, you know, a lot of, you know, conservatives, you know, bring up the fact uh, black on black crime and uh, how there's opportunity for everybody out there, you know, and, you know, how whites uh, are, are killed more often and blacks by police. And they always leave out the fact that, that we make up 13% of the population. Um, they leave out the fact that, that, that we were from communities that, that drugs are infused in their guns and, and, and lack of opportunity. And I'm not, I'm not justifying any crime. Let me make that clear from anybody in my community. Uh, but they, there are, there are situations where guys, you know, where young men, uh, from lack of opportunity, schooling, schooling system sucks. And um, sometimes they feel like they have nowhere to turn. And, and sometimes it turns into, uh, you know, uh, crime and, and making mistakes and, and so on and so forth. So I do want our communities to take responsibility for, for if, if, if you're going to, if there's going to be an uproar about a police killing, let's, let's have that same energy when, when our, our people are killing each other, right? So um, that needs to be uh, put in play in our communities. But I don't want to ignore the fact that that systematically we have been put in a place to fail 
um, whether it's the food, the, you know, the type of food that are uh, that that's available in our communities, the lack of healthy food, um, the, the liquor stores. And I don't want to sound, you know, cliche, but liquor stores, the fried chicken spots and, and, and those things, those play a part. You know, health is wealth. And I think we need to be taught in our schools, uh, financial literacy, uh, creating generational wealth. Let, let's talk, you know. We can get into the, the fact that, that J.P. Morgan Bank has paid out so much money in lawsuits from them making it harder for black and brown people to get loans, to buy homes, to create generational wealth, to leave homes to, to their children, uh, being charged high interest rates, being charged higher fees than that of a white person that's at the same level of credit and income, right? So th those things are barriers that are in place uh, and make it hard for our people to create generational wealth. It's not that we're lazy people and, 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 and depending uh, on the government. We want those opportunities in many cases, but it's harder for us. Those are facts. That's Ock from Ock and Barack show on Fight Nation. Jason Jackson, Kirk Morrison. Um, you have a unique dynamic in sport where you're bringing people from entirely different backgrounds, some sports from entirely different parts of the world. What do you love about boxing and what it can do, bringing different generations together, different backgrounds, races, uh, gender sometimes, obviously, together in this one space. We, we, we get criticized sometimes and we don't talk about the good things that occur. I want to take everything away from everybody and, and, and focus on this for a second. Well, well as, it relates, as it relates to, to that, that's the one thing, as I touched on earlier, growing up in a boxing gym, I, I went to Gleason's gym, my brother and I, that was a place where uh, race didn't exist. Um, uh, there, was no, there was a brotherhood in a boxing gym where whether you were Irish, Black, Hispanic, Indian, uh, uh, just people from all walks of life. When you're in that boxing gym, um, there's a brotherhood that, that it can't be explained. And I, I don't know if, if that's the same case on a basketball court, on a football field. I'm not saying it's not, but I don't know. I, I'm infused in this boxing culture. This, this is what I'm made of. And it was the best place for my brother and I to be after school when we were eight, nine years old, spending my father, he would leave us there for five, six hours. That's another story. I don't know why the hell he did that. He didn't want to be bothered with us when it's, until it was time. To, we would literally leave school at three o'clock, do our homework in the gym till about four or five, work out for three hours and wait to 9 p.m. till he picked us up. But um, I felt the camaraderie that, that, that I didn't feel in the streets, uh, that, I, you know, I, I, that I was afraid when I saw police officers going up in Brooklyn on Flatbush Avenue and Church Avenue. I, I always felt that we were in trouble. And I'm being candid here. I didn't feel safe when I saw police officers growing up. In that gym was the safest place and people were from all walks of life, all, all races, you know, all ethnic backgrounds. So that, that I think still exists in a boxing gym and in a boxing culture. You know, one of the last things for me, Ock, is that uh, one of the, remember what went viral, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. Remember it was the Deontay Wilder interview and people were, he was just talking about the things that's going on in his community and his people. And I always remember him and he kept saying, to this day, right, like right. to this day. And you saw that right. passion and things like yeah. that. So when you see uh, just those 
you know, passionate words from him. And you mentioned a lot of the other boxers that you've interviewed, that you've talked to as well. Um, just where boxing now can go in terms of the influence with more eyeballs, your show. I think there's more shows. There's just a lot more awareness uh, in boxing now that have that influence that we can now start to listen a little bit more than I think we have in past years. So where can boxing go? Well, yeah, in that interview, uh, uh, you know, Deontay's a good friend of Barack and myself, so I was proud of him in that moment. And the, the journalist and boxing journalist who's well-respected, Radio Rahim, who's also a friend of mine, who was the one that asked him that question um, that day. And uh, so, you know, credit to him for actually asking that question and getting that out of Deontay Wilder, because he got a lot of heat, you know, for asking the question. But, you know, knowing knowing him and knowing the situation a little more in depth than, than the general public, he wanted to get that out of Deontay. So he asked the question for him to express himself transparently, and, and Deontay did. So, I, I mean, boxing is going in the right place. Uh, you know, in regards to that, I think fighters are being more vocal. They're using their post-fight in, uh, interviews, whether it's in the ring or at the press conference, post-fight press conference, to discuss these social issues. I think that every... You know, you see an NBA basketball player do it. Uh, that's that's an influence, you know. And a lot of people complain about people doing things on social media for the likes or for the views, right? So, you know, my take on that is different. I, I feel like if you're doing something that's socially conscious and, 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 and you're doing good, I think that you need to put it out there. I think that you need to – you have to influence people uh, to want to do the same to feel embarrassed if they're not doing something. So you don't want to hide everything. You know, people say, I do stuff, you know, I do things because I just want it done. I don't need, I don't need media there. I don't need cameras there. Well, you know what? I feel like you do need cameras there. And I feel like that that influence trickles down. It's a domino effect on other athletes, uh, on other media personalities and so on and so forth. So, you know, it, if I'm doing something, I, I want people to see it. It's not for credit. It's because I want to inspire. And I think that, uh, I think that most fighters and athletes should do that. Akka, an absolute pleasure to have you here. We will look forward to more from you on the Akka Barak Show, Fight Nation, Channel 156. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure being here. Love what you guys are doing. Peace and love and stay safe. My man. We Appreciate will press forward with a very emotional and unanticipated moment, Kurt, from your namesake, Mr. Herbstreet, uh, when he was discussing the issue of race on the preview show on ESPN. That and more when we come back here on Forward Progress. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. My question is, what's next? What will lead to change? I was talking to David Shaw, the head coach at Stanford. I love listening to, to his wisdom and his thoughts. And he shared a, a, a quote uh, to me and reminded me from Benjamin Franklin. He said, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. The black community is hurting. If you've listened and, and the, the word empathy and compassion over these last four months, how do you listen to these stories and not feel pain and, and not, not want to help? You know what I mean? It's like the, wearing a hoodie and... Uh, Putting your putting your your hands at ten and two. Oh God, I better look out because I'm 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 wearing Nike gear. Like what? What are we talking about? And so you can't relate to that if you're white, but you can listen 
and you can uh, try to help because this is not okay. It's just not. We just have, we got to do better, man. Jason Jackson, Kirk Morrison, side by side every week to have this very important and in-depth discussion. Forward progress is the name of the program. So glad that you stopped by. Uh, man, something went down on Saturday, Kirk. <laughs> yeah. It was something else. I've known Kirk Herbstreet, uh, ESPN's lead analyst for college football um, since uh, the mid-'80s. Uh, Kirk is only, I think, two or three years older. And um, he was at uh, Centerville High School. Never forget those brown and, uh, I should say, black and gold um, balloons that used to hang on the top of those stands. Uh, not far from, I think that's just outside Dayton, Beaver Creek, Ohio. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. We came up there and put it on him. Boy, we, we listen. You don't go from the big city to the small town and that nuts. But Herb Street was golden boy, right? And he went to Ohio State and uh, turned that experience into a wonderful, long, and respected run as the leading voice of college football uh, in the nation. Let's not be, let's not mistake the the perch that he developed um, on the sidelines on ESPN two, then in the studio for game day, then. The studio show that became the, the 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 gold standard for traveling studio shows with College Game Day, and now alongside uh, his old uh, Game Day partner Chris Fowler, calling the premier college football games. But he provided us uh, in what we just heard a depth of there's some atonement there, there's some ownership there, there's. Um, Listen, I think he went beyond um, empathy. Like you got, he got beyond it and tried to really feel. He doesn't, and he admits he doesn't have the same experiences you and I are going to have uh, in those moments of truth in the streets, being identified as something other than we are. But he gets it. That's the ally stuff we've been talking about. And I'm so proud of Kirk to sit there on that platform and be so vulnerable when you and I both know he got more money not to have to do that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I would say this. Um, you know, we, I've been on some conference calls with, with Kirk Herbstreet. Um, and a lot of the other broadcasters with the ESPN family um, in terms of how, everything that's been going on from the pandemic, uh, you know, COVID-19 stuff, and then now with the social justice. And just to be able to hear, not just from Kirk Herbstreet, it's been, you know, a guy who voices the NBA for ESPN as well, uh, you know, Mark Jones, you know, having... Um, you know, those guys who have experienced it. And it's been sort of an awakening because so many people have been in a bubble, right? That's why, Jason, I've, I've kind of put the COVID and social justice almost like together. Because when I think of everything, it's like everyone has been in this bubble. We've all kept our head down and we've been working and trying to, you know, make a living for our families and, um, 
you know, we're just work, 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 work. And the pandemic has forced us to do what? It forced us to sit down and take a break for a minute and look and be aware of what's going on around us. And it's like to hear people that I've talked to who are not African-American, who are not people of color say, look, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm sorry, because a lot of things never truly affected them. And yet they see how it's affected us, how it's affected their colleagues. And they never knew. Like, I've been on the road, Jason, to where I've covered a college football game and people would ask me, hey, do you want to go for a jog early in the morning? I, said, I don't know. I think I'll pass just because I don't know the areas. I'm here in some parts of the country I've never been. And the color of my skin, you know, to me, don't not only do I stand out, but I also don't look like many of the people around. So I get those looks. Hey, what are you doing here? Where are you from? Are you not from around here? Or we go to a restaurant and I'm the only colleague who looks like me. And so to them, many, you know, some people who are not African-American, they look at the situation like they don't see it. But now I feel like there is an awareness now that was not there to where now people are saying, whoa, I, I, I get it. You kept telling me about it, but I never saw it. Kaepernick put the arm, I mean, put his hand up and, 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 and kneeled, but I still didn't understand it. I was like, come on, that's not serious. That, come on. But George Floyd, man, just what's been going on currently and just in our country in terms of the police shootings, the police killings, people are seeing like, whoa, like we had no idea. Like that to me is the first part. And to hear Kirk Herbstreet speak about it, like you mentioned so passionately, is that he gets it now. And how did he get it? He had to go out and he reached out to people. And when you talk to other people, he mentioned David Shaw, a guy who we talked to. When you listen to another person speak about just their experiences, it, it touches you and it hits you differently, right? It's like, oh man, like, cause, <laughs> you know, for me, it's always, you know, I, I talk about my wife a lot because we always look at things differently, right? She looks at the world her way. I look at the world my way and we both feel like we're right. But when we communicate and we sit down and say, hey, look at it from my shoes for a minute. I'll look at it from your shoes as well. And that's where we say, you know what? I get it. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. You've got what you've got going on. I got, and we both are living this crazy life where we're trying to raise our kids and we're doing work, but I get it. And it's the same thing when it's with, I think social justice is looking at, hey, this is what's going on here. This is what's going on here, but I want you to understand what's going on in my community as well. Because even though your community may not be affected, you could also invoke change in my community. So it's been about understanding, but to hear someone Again, Jason, to have that platform to me, he may he did it and a lot of people heard it, but it's the people who just say like, wait, what am I missing here That's, that this man yeah. is saying? It's like, wait, I need to go reevaluate my own self. And I thought that that was that was how huge that moment was for me watching that on Saturday. Yeah, I thought that it was important for someone who had been trying it off who's essentially right. a good person. I think right. I, I factor in some evil here, all right? That, that, I'm, I'm going to have to write you off. 
if you just pure evil and you don't think that uh, there's a level of concern as a as a as a member uh, of the majority, um, if we're speaking plainer, white folks, if you don't think that any of it pertains to you, or you don't feel like it's something you want to be bothered with, I can't. There's I have no time for you. But for someone who's just going about their days, they're just working. They're trying to work in this COVID nineteen universe. Uh, they're trying to hope if not already been impacted, that the job still remains. Um, that, as my grandmother used to say, sometimes it's too hard to be black, to be in position to worry about your foolishness. <laughs> like, so the, that was not a great mental health or sexual identity or anything that we deal with now with some sensitivity. Right. But I understood where she was coming from. Black folks are catching hell. I ain't got time to worry about what letter I'm going to apply to your sexuality. I'm not at time to get mm-hmm. Dr. Phil in here to help you out. We're right. over here dying. And so that was the difficulty for a lot of black folks. You couldn't even deal with your identity because mm-hmm. you're just trying to survive. You're simply trying to get equality. You're trying to get equal wages. You're trying to get to vote. You can't even get into self and then you got stuff that comes from that. We might have another show just on that. <laughs> so if someone to. is just trying to get through living and they're not paying attention to this, that doesn't make them a terrible person. They're just really focused on what's happening. If I then get someone of note who you either respect or it entertains you or you didn't know that that particular individual uh, had that standing and then it hits you. Holy bleep. I need to look at, like you said, I need to evaluate this. I need to, I need to really sit down and give this a good read or a good listen. Matter of fact, I can spin around Sirius XM sports channels all week and hear <laughs> right. these great conversations with Jackson Morrison. It, it, it's, I'm willing to take that time. I'm willing to find individuals one by one and have these types of exchanges as long as, as long as that's a two-way willingness. You know, I'm coming yeah. up on my off-season. It's going to be odd because this off-season is going to be in the fall and early right. winter. And so my movements are even going to change. The people who I encounter are going to change, and I'm looking forward to it, Kurt. I'm looking yeah. forward to touching base with people who fully know where I'm coming from yeah. but may not be prepared for the depth of the conversation I'm going to have, because I do forward this kind of jovial, gregarious, uh, life of the party mode. And I'm not saying any of that stuff is gone, Kurt, but it's not the thing that weighs on my mind most heavily. It's, are we getting out here and participating in the process uh, on November 3rd? Correct. Yeah. Are we doing that? Now, listen, you vote for who you want to. Right. Are you a part of the process? Do you have the same energy when you're rocking police cars and throwing Molotov cocktails, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm talking about those folks that were agitating that aren't a part of the culture. Top of folks in the culture who really never believed they could be a part of change. That they didn't participate in 08 
or 12 with right. Barack Obama. They didn't feel a connection the next time for whatever reason. I don't understand it. That maybe that's what they see. We're, we're booking shows for now. We got all these topics now. <laughs> Pernell Brown, our producer of uh, Forward Progress, of understanding what was the disconnect in the energy of progressive thinking and voting um, simply because those eight years with President Obama were done. Um, I'm, I'm clear now. Participate in the process and tell me what offends you about black people fighting for equality and having quality interactions with law enforcement. Why does that bother you? I, yeah. that, I'm willing to have those conversations. Yeah, I think those conversations are, are needed, Jason, because there's too many who do too much good. And this is where I think the pushback comes is where we have a couple bad apples, right? A couple bad apples that people are pointing to to say, see, this is one of the reasons why we don't agree with what you're doing. Both ways. You know I mean? Yes. Right? Both ways. Mm -hmm. Identifying craziness. And you, you see that. Um, and, and then you see who people who want to stand up and say, oh, no, uh, Black Lives Matter is more about protesting, but it also causes riots. And I'm against that. And I'm saying that's not the case. Understand what Black Lives Matter means. And then there's also, too, Jason, there's this distinction that it has to be made between either being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement or being a part of the actual Black Lives Matter organization. There's two different things. We could all be for Black Lives Matter. That is a phrase. That is a saying. That is saying that, look, we understand that all lives matter. But right now, currently, we're seeing black lives being lost at a rate far more than we're seeing Caucasian American lives being lost in terms of police brutality. That's all what the awareness is all about. But don't say that, no, it's just a movement that invokes rage or hatred or anger. That's not the case. And so I think that's part of what you're talking about is having these discussions with people uh, outside of the African-American community just to educate, to give them the knowledge that we just want to be on the same level playing field as everyone. I just want to be able to get in my car and drive knowing that if I do get pulled over, that I know I'm not going to lose my life, that if you know, one of the things that we've seen now are cops who have, you know, pulled people over for because um, they fit a description. Right. And that has now resulted in, you know, people say, oh, I'm sorry, you fit a description. So this is what we did. And oh, we just apologize. There's just there's a lot that has been going on that is now being looked at and evaluated even more, Jason, to where I want more people when we do have that time, when we're in our off seasons and we're able to have that discussion with people, hey, hey look, it's okay, but I just want to make sure you understand where I'm coming from and it's nothing against you. I just want you to understand more. That's a great place for us to hit pause for this week. Kirk, it's always a pressure, man. I can't hey, wait till we do it again. <laughs> we always come up with more and more, man. I love it. Yes, sir. I love it. For Pernell Brown, our producer, Kirk Morrison, I'm Jason Jackson. We hope so much that you enjoyed this edition of Forward Progress.